Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable, that's the key, simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C., Our interview today is with our show's co-host, Kyla O'Connell, Senior Partner and Sales Facilitator at Asher Strategies. And the title of this episode is Mastering the Three Weakest Selling Skills. Kyla, welcome to your own show. (laughs) Well, thanks, Dave. It's great to be here and speaking with you today about something that's so important. And we've worked together for many years. I know you've been training and coaching people on the, the Asher Method top 10 selling skills. And I just want to list them off really quickly for the listeners so they know the context of what we'll be talking about. The top 10 selling skills of elite salespeople are, number one, focus on a few top prospects. Number two, thoroughly research prospects and their organizations prior to first contact. Number three, use coaches or insiders to fully understand prospects and their requirements. Number four, sell yourself by building rapport. Number five, ask the right questions, listen, and guide the conversation. Number six, use powerful marketing messages. Number seven, act as a business consultant and solution provider. Number eight, recognize when the buyer is ready to buy and know how to close the sale. Number nine, build long-term relationships with customers. And number 10, ask for referrals and then start the process over again. And as we've told so many people over the years that this is not only the order in which elite salespeople do these, conduct these skills, but it's also a, a process. It's a sales process. I imagine that you have found working with people that some of them struggle with certain ones out of these top 10. In your opinion, what are the three universal weakest selling skills among salespeople? Yes, you are correct. Dave, there are definitely universal weakest skills out of the 10 that you listed. I'll kind of narrow it down to the top three. The, the weakest skill that I see when I coach and develop salespeople is definitely closing. That is universally the weakest skill. The second weakest skill is listening in an active fashion. And all that comes with the portion of the sales process where we're listening and asking questions. Um, that's certainly the second weakest skill. And then the third weakest skill is preparation or research prior to first contact, getting really prepared for that meeting. So those are the three universal weakest skills I see among all salespeople, whether they're experienced or brand new to the industry. It just seems like those three pop up the most often. Why don't we address them in the order in which they show up in the sales process? So let's start with skill two, research. Where do you see examples of this skill being weak for many salespeople? Really, it's, it's lack of preparation. We talk about the different levels of competency. Anytime you're starting anything new, I like to use the example of just driving a car because everybody can pretty much relate to that example or remembers uh, when they started to learn that skill or maybe they have children that are in that process now. So it's it's a metaphor that everybody relates to. And when we start to learn a new skill, we go through these different levels of competency. And as we go through, you know, the first level, you guys have probably heard this before, 
the first level is unconscious incompetence. You're just, you don't know what you don't know yet. So you're really excited. They get the license. They're excited to drive. They don't really realize how difficult this could be, especially when they get on the highway or in traffic or in congested areas. And then they reach the second level, which is conscious incompetence. So that's when the new driver realizes how difficult this is going to be. And I'm sure salespeople listening to this podcast can relate to being in that stage of um, competency, which is, wow, this is going to be a little harder than I thought it was going to be. The third stage is conscious competence. This is where, you, you know, that driver starts to figure it out and they start to realize that they can do it, but it's still a struggle. And then the fourth stage is unconscious competence. And that's where we're so good at the skill, it becomes part of our identity. And we don't have to think about it anymore. And what I challenge people in training to think about that is there's a real danger here to uh, become complacent. And where we see complacency uh, pop its ugly head in salespeople is when they get to this stage of competence where they think they know everything and they start to wing it. And this is the skill where we go to research where I see them kind of skip over it. And it's amazing the difference between a meeting where the salesperson has done their extensive research prior to first contact versus somebody who's just, you know, maybe looking at something 10 minutes before they walk in the door. And the client can tell and knows how much research that salesperson has done based on the level of questioning that they're asking, how much they know about their industry. We teach in training that you want to focus your research on their company, on their offerings, their industry, and even their competition. And very few salespeople will do that level of research prior to first contact, especially, Dave, I see it more often in those experienced salespeople who might be getting a little complacent because they've been doing sales for so long, they've reached that fourth level of competency and they forget this critical skill. So I push them. I push them and challenge them to get to a higher level of competency where you are consciously super competent, meaning, yes, you are already uh, very good at the skill, but we're going to take you to the higher level and really bring your awareness to the skill so you can be even better at it. It's interesting. We, we talk in sales seminars and many people talk about the book, The Challenger Sale, and written by the CEB and how effective it can be. But can you challenge a customer to think differently without paying attention to research? Absolutely not. And that's, again, where I worry about more experienced salespeople than I do new salespeople, because I think new salespeople will do that level of research so they feel more confident, where experienced salespeople, again, to use that word, wing it, and maybe think that they can challenge a new customer to think differently without really doing the level of research ahead of time. I love the book, The Challenger Sale. It really explains all of the research behind this concept and and approach, I should say, and why it's so effective. And you can challenge by understanding how technology could be affecting your customer. I mean, all of us are, are kind of struggling with how is technology affecting our business, our industry? You can challenge them with trends, different trends that are happening in business right now. How are they addressing those trends? And maybe we can challenge them to think differently about how they're addressing some of them. This is really taking a skill that I think too many salespeople take for granted and 
and really shine a light on it to help them get to that elite level. Any other ideas or areas where you see sales professionals forget to prepare and research? Yeah, the other one, and this may seem so simple, but I still see a lot of it, is they forget to research the buyer or the, the different executives that they're going to be meeting with. So they may have done thorough research on the company and the industry and, and all of that, but they didn't take it further and research the actual individuals that they're going to be meeting with. Obviously, with LinkedIn today, there's no excuse for that. In fact, 60% of buyers will have thoroughly researched us before a meeting. So we never want to be in a situation where a new buyer starts talking to us about our LinkedIn profile, maybe where we went to school or some of our uh, volunteer work, showing that they've done research on us. If we haven't done that thorough research on them, now we're really behind. That's true. I think it's happened to all of us. I once went on a, a sales call and without doing research and later found out I went to school with the guy. So <laughs> <laughs> he might have known. <laughs> Well, there's also a great tool today called Crystal Nose, and you, you and I talk about this in training. Um, so for our listeners who may not have uh, heard about that uh, yet, go ahead and check it out because um, this uh, website is only getting more advanced with giving you insight into an individual's personality style and how we should communicate. And of course, that's a big part of our training as well. But that's another tool in the toolbox to help salespeople research buyers. Great. Great advice. Kyla, because we've got three to work with, I think now is a good time to take that quick commercial break. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to AsherStrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Kyla O'Connell about how to master the three weakest selling skills. Now back to the interview. Kyla, let's move on to skill number five, listening. How do you break down listening so salespeople can be better at it? We break it down into a three-step process. Very easy to remember and understand. The first step is, is you're 100% focused on the buyer, which means you're, you're not thinking about what you're going to say next. You're actively listening, just like Stephen Covey talks about in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Active listening means you're not thinking about what you're going to say next. You're not thinking about something you have to do when you get back to the office. You're totally 100% focused. The second key technique to perfect listening is ask permission to take notes and then take notes. And we've all been in that scenario before where we forgot to write something down and later forgot it ask permission to take notes. You get your first yes, and then take notes. And the third key technique to perfect listening is to then summarize for agreement. So you're summarizing what you heard back to the buyer for agreement. There's lots of reasons why this is so effective. One, you start to learn again what you wrote and more about their issue. Two, you get continued agreement. They're starting to nod their head yes. You're getting many yeses. And the third most important reason why this is such a key technique is their trust increases. So this is the critical time to ask, what else 
do I need to know? So that you can start to learn information that will help you close the deal faster. Well, what about some examples of salespeople struggling with this skill? The biggest thing that I see is salespeople will rush through this process. And I was training a couple of weeks ago in an internal company, and the, uh, we were really breaking this skill down because <laughs> I had a lot of impatient salespeople in the room who want to rush through to a solution. In fact, the VP of sales stood up and said, I feel that I have been coaching you incorrectly because I always, I've always been telling you to get to the solution quickly, where in fact, this is our opportunity to learn as much as we can about the opportunity, about the sale, about the process, the internal decision making, who are the other buyers, their budget, their time frame. So we definitely don't want to rush through this process. And that's the biggest red flag I see salespeople struggling with this skill as they rush through it, get to their solution too quickly, and then realize they forgot to ask some critical questions. Listening is really important. Can you practice listening? Can you become better at it? Or is it just like a genetic trait? You know, well, he's a bad listener. <laughs> well, you absolutely can get better at it. And this is one of the parts of the sales process that personally I have to pivot. I like the word pivot from natural instinct, which is going to be a rush through things, to training. And I literally have to slow myself down and follow my process and follow the training during this stage of the sales process because naturally I want to rush through it. So you can absolutely get better at it, but it is a conscious choice to pivot into your training versus follow your natural instincts. It's even hard for experienced sales professionals who teach sales training to listen. So we really have to work on it, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's where we have to go back to our conscious level of competence, right? Let's dive into the weakest selling skill now, closing. How do you begin to train salespeople to be better at closing? The first thing I do, Dave, is I define it. I'll ask the group, what do you all think about when you think of closing? And um, 90% of the time, the, the answers that come back to me are, it's getting the PO, it's getting the signature, it's getting the money in the bank. Of course, all of those things are true, but I think what, what happens is they don't realize that closing is actually confirming the next step. So closing, the art of it, is happening throughout the sales process. It's not just something that happens at the end. In fact, the easiest close should be the last one if we've done all of the other closes correctly along the way. So the first thing I do is make sure that they understand that closing is defined by confirming the next step. So that starts to trigger them to think differently about closing right away. So that's first step. Are there any red flags that you see when you observe salespeople at the closing point? Oh, many. <laughs> In fact, there are six principles that we really want to make sure people understand with regard to closing because of those red flags. I think that the biggest red flag that I see is that salespeople are not definitive about the next step. So if you're not definitive about what the next step should be, then everybody's confused about it. I was literally uh, observing two of my sales clients, my salespeople who I'm coaching, coaching clients, um, working in a meeting with a new prospect. And everything was really moving along beautifully, great listening, great solution development, everything was working beautifully. And then it was time to adjourn the meeting. And so I was really laser sharp listening to see 
if they were definitive about the next step. And unfortunately, what I heard was so common, and it was, well, I'll get back to you soon with that information. <laughs> or um, you can, I'll follow up with you at the, by, before the end of next week. And all I wanted them to do was put a date around it, offer a date. Dates are definitive. And because when we say things like, I'll follow up with you soon or the end of next week, soon is not definitive. So soon could mean something different to your customer than it does to you. The end of next week, well, someone might be out of the office for two days or you, you may be out of the office for the next couple of days. And then all of a sudden, all of this time starts to add up because we weren't definitive about a date. So that's the number one thing that I see is our salespeople not being definitive about the next step. So avoid things like soon or the end of next week or I'll get back to you because none of that really commits the buyer and you to affirm next step. Well, to support that, is there a process that salespeople can follow to get better at closing? Absolutely. So first thing they can do, whether you're going to a meeting or you're having a web call or a conference or just a phone call, think about it ahead of time and be clear on what your wishful outcome should be. If everything goes smoothly on this phone call, what would be the ideal next step? You get clear on it first. Because if you're clear on it, there's a much higher level chance that you will actually get what you want. So get clear on your wishful outcome. And then prepare how you'll ask for that next step. So even if you have to script it out or say it out loud in your car on the way to the meeting or practice it with a coworker, role play it a bit. So when that opportunity comes, you're not fumbling with what the words are to get to the next step. Also, when you're at the meeting, observe the customer. Observe when it's the right time to ask. We talk about the buyer shift. So the buyer shift is a combination of their verbal and nonverbal signals that they're showing you, yes, this is a good opportunity. I'm smiling. I'm looking at you. I'm agreeing with you. That would be a good time to ask for the next step. And then finally, ask for the next step. Be clear about it. Be definitive. And then wait. Let them think. Let them process what you've asked them. I see another red flag where salespeople get a little anxious and they interrupt their own closing approach by not letting the customer think about saying yes to that next step that was offered. So that process can really, really help salespeople become better at closing along the way, which ultimately will help them close deals faster. That's great advice. There's that classic Alec Baldwin rant in the movie Glengarry Glen Ross of always be closing. And I think that's in some ways distorted what we should be doing, which actually is always be closing. But if we do it in the proper way that helps the, the customer and helps you get to the place where you both need to be, that's great. Yeah, it does. It does have a negative connotation because I think what he was referring to is you're close, you know, always be closing the sale, which can come across as pushy. So we just refined it and said, always be closing the next step. Much, much better. Which they'll appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming close to the end. Or any last thoughts, Kyla? If you're conscious of how these skills are executed at the elite level you're going to differentiate yourself from your competition by huge amounts. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that certainly advanced or elite or experienced salespeople often do is they look at these skills maybe too broadly. Something like a research before, of course I do that. Something like listening 
and ask questions. Of course I do that. Or even closing the next step. Oh, yeah, I ask what the next step is. They think they're doing it, but they're not doing it at the level and the complexity at the elite level, which is really breaking down these skills and executing them at a complexity that will ultimately benefit them to help close deals faster and also make the buyers feel like they're really working with a true professional. Great. It seems like the listeners can really make a lot of progress in their sales goals if they do their research, if they become more active as listeners and they close to the next step. Kyla, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Dave, I'm thinking about not even holding business cards anymore. Isn't that funny as a sales trainer and professional? Because I want everybody to always go to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best and most effective way to connect with somebody new. We can see each other's backgrounds and we can start email messaging right away. So I encourage everybody to look for me on LinkedIn, reach out to me there. If you'd like to reach out to me directly through my Asher email, it's K-O-Connell, K-O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L at asherstrategies.com. Well, that's terrific. And people will be hearing more from you as they tune into Asher Strategies Radio in our weekly podcast. So it's been so good to talk with you today. We're so busy, we often don't get a chance to talk. I felt like that was actually a good conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Dave. And thank you, Kyla. And that's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. 